says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Psalm 43, 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil with me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The word of God for the people of God. Good to have you all today. You couldn't hear me, could you? Now you can hear me. <laughs> today we have, as Rifle prayed, uh, Ransom Stacy Bland with us, and their two children are here too, and they've been with us this weekend. They're uh, some missionaries that we support, and I met Rance about 11 or 12 years ago in Lubbock at a church that we're sisters churches with, and I knew he was in basketball and sports and was doing the youth and college age group kids and so I just liked him right away and in a couple of years he was called uh, to do uh, to be sent to Belgium and so this is about 10 years ago I was looking over my emails this weekend and his pastor sent a uh, email to consider support for Rance and his missionary calling to Belgium and uh, gave him high praise that I believe after these 10 years, I'm starting to believe now. <laughs> and uh, just that he is a godly man and, you know, and godly couple, him and Stacy, and, and we're really called by God. And so I kind of brought that before our church and we started supporting them. We support different missionaries with different projects around the world from church planning to um, you know, in the past, children's homes um, and and just all types of uh, missionaries. And don't you know there's all kinds of ways to reach people for Jesus, right? And one of the powerful ways that uh, Rants uh, reaches out is through Sports Quest uh, Ministries, and that's by using sports and sports camps to reach kids and then reach their parents. And it was kind of shocking to see that uh, Belgium you know, once very uh, Christianized nation was down to about 1%, some say maybe 2% Christian. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a wide field for harvest, right? And uh, so he worked there in ministry for five years and uh, has, is now working worldwide. And they actually uh, connected with a couple in Ukraine and started a sports quest ministry there. So he'll share some of that with you today about uh, because it's war-torn now, and a couple of the couples that were working in ministry there, and just other places around the world. And so I just want Rance to come, share his heart with you in missions uh, for around the world through Sports Quest Ministries. Rance, won't you come? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Bobby. Appreciate that introduction, brother. Love you. Me too. Rifle, am I, am I good? Am I on? Okay. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we've had a blast here this weekend. We came in on uh, Friday with our kids and uh, got up in the mountains for a little while. And then we've been staying with Bobby and Teresa. And 
uh, they've outdone themselves in their hospitality toward us, and we feel really uh, blessed and really welcomed by your family and, and by this family, uh, by Grace Harvest Church. We got to see some of you yesterday uh, for lunch, and it's just really been um, a, a pleasure to be here. And so thankful that I can share with you guys this morning. Um, I don't remember how many years ago it was that we were here last time, but uh, obviously the, the whole COVID season, you know, kind of uh, distanced and separated people, and, and so we're glad to have a chance to be back and reconnect. And I know we're, we're kind of a new face to a lot of you, and so I uh, want to share a little bit this morning about just basically what it is that we do, a little bit of our story, and then as, as Bobby said, I'm going to share a little of what we see God doing in Ukraine, even in the midst of uh, the war and the crisis there, and then I'll kind of land the plane uh, in a few hours, no, just kidding, um, but with, with some scripture, uh, just to, to leave you with some hope, and so um, I'm going to step up here next to my shot glass of water in case I need that. And uh, I just want to start with my little bit of our story. I've got some notes here on my, on my phone. Uh, when I was 18, um, I, I grew up playing basketball, and that was a, a passion of mine. And I did my first uh, mission trip with SportQuest. And so at that time, we were sending high school and college athletes overseas on missions, and we would do sports camps. And we would find that sports was a great access tool to enter into a community, connect with people, build relationships, and share the gospel. Now, at the same time, I was planning to go to a business school in college. My dad ran a, a business, and I thought I'd be stepping in at some point and taking over that business. And God really had other plans. And so on that first mission trip to Israel, it was just very clear to me that the passion he had put in me for my faith, as well as for sports, that this was bringing those two things together, and that I was just really wired uh, to do this. So I, stay in, I stayed involved with SportQuest. Every summer during college, I'd come back and work with them, did some summer internships, went on many more uh, mission trips. Several of those were to Belgium. Uh, once I met uh, my wife, Stacy, uh, she started joining me on those trips. And so we did several of those. And at the same time, we were also, uh, Bobby was talking about our church in, in Lubbock, we were youth pastors there for uh, six years. And part of the Kerygma network and uh, same network that this church is a part of. So that's uh, where we met each other. And then as he said, uh, my pastor wrote a, a nice recommendation letter. Hopefully most of it was true. And, uh, and that really started this relationship and partnership with Grace Harvest Church, and as Bobby said, that was 10 years ago, and um, I just want to say to this church, um, thank you. You have faithfully and generously supported us and partnered with our ministry for a decade, and uh, together, God has used us to make many disciples uh, in many nations and to spread his glory and, and fame around the world, and so uh, thank you for being a part of that, and part of my goal this morning is just to help you understand a little bit more of, of what you're partnering with and what you're involved in and, uh, and how we're doing that together. Um, so, uh, what is SportQuest? Let me answer uh, that question for a moment. Um, it was actually started in 1998. My first trip with SportQuest was in 2000, so just right at the beginning, um, you know, I, I got involved. And as I said, at that time, our only focus was sending high school and college uh, athletes overseas on these short-term mission trips. Uh, 
But what happened, uh, which was really amazing, the fruit of that was a lot of uh, young people came to Christ in these places around the world, and they started going, hey, we love sports too. Why couldn't we use that, uh, you know, here in our own community? We don't have to wait for you Americans to come every summer. You know, we can do it ourselves. And so we started training up these indigenous leaders to do that very thing uh, year-round. And so we would still send the teams, but now they were coming in to support and bless and uh, really complement the work that was already being done uh, year-round. And so we're now in 10 different countries in uh, Europe, in uh, Africa, South America, Latin America, and then here in the U.S. And so I'll, I'll show you some pictures later on. You'll see a few faces of our uh, team members around the world. Um, another kind of big development in our ministry was in 2013. Um, we kind of added this outdoor adventure component to our ministry. And I know we're here in Rio Dosa, in the middle of the mountains, probably a, a, a lot of outdoor lovers. Uh, but we also found this is a great tool to, um, to connect with people, to get people a little bit out of their comfort zone at times. And it's when we're out of our comfort zone that God really loves to show up in our life and in work. And so we create these um, uh, weekend experiences for men and for women. Uh, for men, we call them extreme character challenges. For women, they're called the Arise uh, Challenge. And you go into the wilderness, you do some backpacking, some hiking. Um, I know some of you are thinking, oh, I'm not Bear Grylls, that's not for me. But we have everyone from 21 years old to I think our oldest now is maybe 78, 79 years old that have done this, all fitness levels, all kinds of experience. And, uh, and it's an amazing time because you're part of a team. And at some moment in the weekend, everyone kind of comes to their breaking point. They're like, this is not what I signed up for. In fact, I didn't know what I signed up for. And here I am in the mountains. I don't have enough food. You know, I don't know what the schedule is. And, uh, and it's in those moments that the team really comes around that person, supports them. We've got uh, speakers along the way that are, uh, sh you know, just sharing the word of God. There's a, a theme kind of throughout the weekend. And we just see uh, God do powerful things on these weekends um, in the lives of mature believers, new believers, and those that aren't believers, and many of whom uh, come to faith during these weekends. And so this has been a, another uh, really amazing thing that God has led us into. And so now um, our focus is really sports and adventure. Uh, and we're, we really ha have found a lot of ways to kind of bring both of those tools together and not just focus on youth or on men or women, but really the whole family. And so our, our mission today is to use the tools of sport and adventure uh, to strengthen families. Um, and so we now have about 39 uh, staff and partners around the world in 10 different countries. And uh, we're... Uh, just loving it. We're thankful that we get to do this and, and be a part of it. And I'll tell you a little bit about what we do, because you may be wondering, okay, you were in Belgium for five years, that kind of makes sense, but now you live in Albuquerque. All right, what do you do there? And so I'll tell you a little bit about our, our role. Um, I'm the uh, chief operating officer. They gave me a fancy title. Uh, basically just means, you know, kind of running the day-to-day -day operations of this nonprofit ministry. And then I'm also the global director of our uh, international partners. That's just what we call our missionaries, 95% of which are all indigenous to their uh, culture and their community that they're serving in. And so that, that looks like a lot of uh, coaching and just kind of building connection and community for 
these uh, leaders that are, you know, all around the world. Sometimes they're already doing great things, but they're, they're kind of disconnected and isolated. And so we help uh, bring them together with other like-minded people doing similar things in other parts of the world, learning from each other. Uh, I help walk them through each year, kind of putting together a ministry plan. And uh, we try to send, continue to send short-term teams to serve with them on the field. That's a huge boost and encouragement to them. Uh, we raise uh, some financial support for special projects that they might be doing or sports equipment that they need to continue to run their ministries um, and, and, and all sorts of things, pastoral care and support. And so really just uh, trying to equip and empower uh, them to do what God's called them to do in their community. And uh, Stacy's been a big part of that. Uh, she was very much involved in Belgium. And then, of course, we had two little kids and that sort of changed her role for a season, but she's now really stepping back in. She's been a big part of leadership with uh, the Arise Challenge. And in the summer, we've got a big event coming up called the Sport Quest Family Summit. And especially on the back of COVID and, you know, for so long, we've, we've only seen our partners on computer screens. And so this is a moment where we're all coming together, including uh, families. There's about 109 people total. And so Stacy's been putting together all the logistics and flights and finding visas, you know, for all these people. Uh, so that we can be together for this time of celebration, of deepening relationship, vision casting, rest and renewal for uh, these missionaries. And so we're looking forward to that. It's going to be uh, a great time. It's in Costa Rica uh, in June. And so uh, that's a little bit about our role. Um, you know, locally in Albuquerque, we, we also just really feel called. Uh, this is not really Sport Quest, but just as a family, to be a family on mission where you know, God's put us, and uh, we have a, we're part of a church there, it's actually called Grace Church, very similar to you guys, uh, <laughs> that we always look for grace in the name of, you know, the church we're going to be a part of, so it's really a, um, but we have a community group that meets in our house, and uh, that's a, that's an important part of our ministry too, really trying to encourage and edify one another as uh, mostly young families um, to, to be on mission in Albuquerque, and for us, that's mostly with our neighbors, just trying to spend time with them, uh, connect with them. Our kids, you know, are always playing together in the cul-de-sac that we live on. And so God's opening several opportunities for us there. And, uh, and so we love that. So that's a little bit about our personal uh, calling and, and ministry and what we do. And so I want to just kind of transition now to um, a little bit of what's happening in Ukraine with our partners. Um, Obviously, these are some special circumstances. Uh, I'd also love to tell you stories about um, what God's doing in other parts of the world, but I don't think we have time for that today. And, and this is really kind of, uh, I know on everyone's mind, it's on the news, you're seeing, you know, all of these things. And, and hopefully you're hearing some of the good news too, not just the bad news, but, um, but I do want to share some good news with you. Uh, obviously, I don't want to downplay the horrific um, suffering and and uh, tragedy, you know, that this, that this is. Uh, but in the midst of that, um, as we sing about earlier, God is on his throne, he's in control, and he's, and he's at work. And so uh, we actually started working in Ukraine in 2012. Um, a Ukrainian uh, guy named uh, Andre, he was a professional soccer player, and then he started uh, coaching, um, opened up a soccer academy with several different uh, youth teams. Uh, so he's you know, constantly uh, coaching in, uh, soccer, 
but he's also discipling these young men at the same time through that uh, relationship. And then he's been training other, uh, that's him there with the beard, uh, in case you didn't know which one was Andre. <laughs> um, but then he's also training other coaches in, in Ukraine that are Christians, how they can use this opportunity to make disciples. And so it's been really neat to watch him over the past 10 years to do that and to um, just see a lot of fruit from his ministry. Um, that's his wife there, Alyssa. She's actually American, and they got married a year and a half ago, something like that. Uh, and so you see the newborn baby in their arms. And if you can imagine, when, when the war started, Alyssa was nine months pregnant. Um, they were, you know, just getting ready to have this baby, and suddenly their world got turned upside down. They had to leave their home. They were, you know, on the, on the run, stuck in traffic for, you know, eight hours, nine hours uh, at a time, trying to get to the border, and just the whole time praying, God, please don't let this baby come now, you know, while I'm in this car on a highway, running from the fighting that's happening behind us. And God was faithful. Um, she was, you know, fine, um, just really, uh, you know, amazingly not, uh, not frantic and anxious during that time, but God gave her just a supernatural peace. They got to the border, and another little miracle that happened was um, Ukrainian men from ages, I think it's 18 to 65, are not allowed to leave the country right now because they may be conscripted into the fighting force. They might need them, and so they're not letting them leave the border, and so he was a little worried that he might not be able to, to cross the border uh, with his wife to, to see the birth of his baby. Um, thankfully, he had a medical ex exemption from a soccer injury that had exempted him from uh, having to fight in, in the military. Still, though, he wasn't sure they were going to honor that. You know, these are kind of special circumstances. So they got to the border, and sure enough, um, you know, maybe it was because they saw his pregnant wife, but they allowed him to cross the border. So they got to Budapest, Hungary, and that's where they had their baby just uh, actually a few days ago. The baby came late, uh, which in this case was really a good thing. Um, and so they're, they're doing well. And, you know, now the question, like for all Ukrainians, is what next? You know, are we ever going to be able to return home? Uh, are we supposed to now, is God going to call us to do ministry somewhere else? Uh, they're not sure. They're just in a season of waiting, praying, um, caring for their little newborn girl, as you see there. Um, love the bow. <laughs> and uh, you can see her little sock is off there. I remember our children did that all the time. You could not keep the socks on. But uh, so that's, you know, th that's kind of a, a prayer request for them is just, God, what are we supposed to do now? Where are we supposed to go? Um, you know, they have no idea if the soccer fields that they worked in are still there. Um, and so time, time will tell. Um, I think we have an, another picture. This is our other uh, SportQuest partner in Ukraine. Um, if you want to go to the one with the little red, yeah. So the red arrow is pointing to Pasha, and uh, his wife is directly across from him. His son there, Timothy, and has the blonde hair. And uh, they, they live just right outside of Kiev. Um, Andre and Alyssa, I didn't mention, but they lived in Kiev. Uh, they were just outside. They had a house with a, a basement, uh, and so when the fighting started, and you have to understand that Ukrainians have been living with this constant reality that Russia's on the border, there was already fighting happening, and so despite all of the news reports and people saying this might happen, they really didn't think it would happen, and they were really pretty shocked when actually bombs start exploding, you know, in, in the capital city, 
And so uh, Pasha and his family, you know, weren't really ready to leave and, and decided to stay in their home. And they thought, maybe this will be over in a week. And so why would we leave? We have a basement. We'll go stay down there. That'll be our little bomb shelter. And so they, they holed up in the basement for a while, and they had some relatives that came and stayed with them. And he said that a few days later, literally, uh, tanks were fighting on their street. Uh, there was constant gunfight. There's bombs exploding all through the night. They couldn't sleep. And it got, it got desperate because it was difficult for them to, to find a, a safe window to actually leave uh, without the, the Russian army returning. And they, they finally got about a one-hour window. They got out of there. God provided for them to, to get safely to uh, the man on the right. This is his home in western Ukraine. And, uh, and so they were able to find some safe refuge there. Pasha is not allowed to leave the country. He doesn't have a medical exemption. So they, they've chosen to stay um, in western Ukraine and just be a part of the relief effort for those that are still in the war zone. So they're, uh, they've got a little four-door sedan, and they just pack that thing to the gills with medical supplies, with food, with clothing, with uh, little tanks of gasoline, and then they uh, you know, go back towards Kiev and where some of the fighting is, drop that off to, to people who need it. Um, and then sometimes pick up people and evacuate them and, and bring them to uh, western Ukraine. And so, um, you know, one of, one of the needs, actually, that I'll just go ahead and mention is for Pasha to have a larger vehicle, to have a van, because he's making several of these trips a day. And uh, I was showing some of the, the guys yesterday um, a video of his little tiny car just packed to the gills with all this stuff. And if he had a larger vehicle, he could take more stuff to drop off to those in need and bring more people back that are trying to flee uh, those areas. And so um, I'm actually just going to put that before you guys today as a, as a thing for you to prayerfully consider as a church. I, I know many of you are wondering, you know, you're, you're concerned about what's happening and, and sometimes you wonder, how could I really make a difference in, in something so far away? Um, you know, I, I see the things on the news, I'm praying for people, but what could I actually do and, and this is something very tangible, actually, that you could do. No pressure, but if God was to put that on your heart and lead you uh, to help with that need, uh, the, the van costs 10,000 euros. It's about $12,000 and uh, would really make a huge difference uh, for them. We've got funds coming in for all the supplies. So we're part of a, a global network through um, the outdoor adventure ministry I mentioned. It's uh, international, and so... That group has really um, uh, partnered together to raise funds, and so there are supplies pouring in all the time. It's more just about the transportation to get it to where it needs to go. And so, um, so that's our, those are our two SportQuest families there in Ukraine, and, and so they're safe, they're doing well. Um, but I, I just wanted to step back from that for a moment and share. Uh, it's really amazing the way that the body of Christ has responded in the midst of, of the crisis there. Um, one thing I didn't mention earlier that is another part of our role is uh, we're part of a larger network of sport ministries called the Global Sport Movement. And I serve in a couple leadership roles in that movement. Uh, but it's been very active in Ukraine and uh, the whole Eurasian, Russian-speaking region uh, for many years. And uh, as a result, when this happened, there was like an instant network of different ministries and churches 
that immediately they were already in communication. They didn't have to set up any of that infrastructure. And they were just ready to respond to the needs of the people. So there, there were 13 um, kind of main leaders and facilitators in Ukraine. And so they drove to the border. They, they dropped their families off at the border, sent them somewhere safe. They came back and they set up what they called little help centers. So they had 13 different help centers in different areas in Ukraine. And they began um, just saying, you know, telling people, you can come here, you can stay here, you can get a hot meal, um, you know, shower, whatever you need. We've got some clothing. We've got supplies coming from the West. And then we'll help you, you know, get to safety. And so uh, refugees started coming. And these really served as kind of the, the initial model that was then multiplied to 119 additional help centers. And then from there, it's grown to 1,500 now help centers all around the country. And, you know, the cool thing about that is this is not uh, government-sponsored. This is not, you know, a, a, an NGO, you know, stepping in to, you know, do their protocol. This is just ordinary people in the body of Christ going, yeah, I'll open my home. You can stay in my basement, my living room, my couch. Um, churches like this that, you know, at the moment are not meeting in their normal uh, you know, rhythms, they're just putting blankets and pillows on all the chairs and people are coming and, and sleeping in the churches. And some of these are actually the, the, the person that's organizing all this is a teenager. Um, that, in fact, one of them in particular, I remember some of the sport movement leaders saying, yeah, we didn't really know what to think about him. He, he didn't really show up, you know, to things before. And we thought maybe he was a little immature. And then now here he is, you know, leading part of the, the crisis response team and so it's amazing just to see the way that sometimes it's in these moments of crisis that the body of Christ gets galvanized and goes, you know, if no one else is going to do it, we're going to do it. We're going to step up and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so uh, there, there is actually a lot of people that are coming to faith right now they're, because they're really seeing the gospel embodied. They're not just hearing a message about it. They're seeing people living it out, sacrificing themselves to to help others um, many of the people that are driving these vehicles back in to uh, evacuate people they're they're driving right through firefights uh, bombs are exploding around them. i mean they're really putting their lives in danger and it's it's really amazing uh, to see what they're doing and so i hope that encourages you a little bit you don't always see some of those things on cnn um, you know we usually it's the bad news that sells and so uh, that tends to be where, where the focus is. Um, but God is at work. And, uh, you know, and it really, the forces of good and evil are at work. Because as people get displaced, there are people trying to take advantage of these people who are vulnerable. Human trafficking, all these kinds of things. But then there's also the body of Christ in Europe, uh, Moldova, uh, uh, Poland. All of these surrounding countries are really opening their doors and, and helping. And so... Uh, I, you know, I think that's a, a pretty amazing testimony to uh, God and his, and his goodness and his grace in the midst of this crisis. Um, so uh, I'm just going to, uh, just for the sake of time, I won't spend too much time on these, but um, go ahead and show the next picture. Uh, this is one of our partners in uh, Venezuela. And uh, the, the guy in the red T-shirt there, that's Alejandro. He's a basketball coach. And... Uh, We've actually got several partners in Venezuela. It's another place that I could go on forever about some of the issues going on there. 
but I just wanted to say uh, they're doing an amazing job. And in the midst, I mean, we think we have inflation here. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, a loaf of bread there. In fact, they, they don't put, um, the, the prices change twice a day, every day. So you go in the grocery store, it's one price in the morning, it's a higher price in the afternoon. The next day, it's a higher price in the morning, it's a higher, I mean, it just constantly goes up. So even in the midst of that, um, these guys are reaching out through sports. And uh, go, go to the next uh, photo. This is actually a little church that they've planted um, in, a, in a neighborhood. And that happened because the next picture is three ladies that right before the COVID lockdowns, um, Alejandro and his wife were able to disciple. They came to Christ. And these three ladies had a heart for all of these kids in that neighborhood where that church was. And they started doing sports and games with them, discipling them. And then their families started getting interested, coming to faith. And now a little church has been planted uh, in that community. And it's just, uh, you know, an, another story I love to tell. Um, and then I think the next picture is our, uh, this is Tony in the red shirt. He's a, uh, runs a soccer academy in Haiti. He uh, trains and equips about 100 soccer coaches around the country there. They've had their share of really um, significant struggles this year as well. But God is using him uh, to do some, some great things in the lives of these young people. And then um, one other uh, partner I'll point out. This is uh, right here in the U.S. in Tampa, Florida. And uh, this is a little baptism service that they were having right in their neighborhood. Uh, the next picture will show you Becky. She's uh, got the red hair there. And uh, she's one of our partners in Tampa, Florida that works in this inner city neighborhood. One of the most uh, diverse neighborhoods in the U.S., because of all the immigration and actual refugees that are there as well. So I just wanted to give you a little flavor of some of what our partners are doing um, around the world. And, uh, and you're, you're a part of this because you're, you're partnering with us. Uh, you're praying for us. And, and so we're thankful uh, for that and just wanted to share these testimonies with you. And I just want to end today with kind of my last five minutes. Um, and I want to ask a, a question after I take a drink of water. And that, that question is, you know, in the midst of all the bad news that we see, uh, not only a long ways away, but I'm sure we all experience our fair share here um, in, in our own lives. And sometimes it's very easy to start losing hope. It's easy to become uh, discouraged. And you begin to wonder, um, what is God up to? And so my, my question is, uh, should we have hope for the church in the future. And, and I want to clarify what I mean by that because I think we all know the end of the story, right? Spoiler alert if you don't, God wins. Um, and so we, we know that, that that day is coming. Um, and so I don't think our question is so much about eternity because we know that God is on his throne and he wins. But what about the chapters leading up to uh, that conclusion uh, of this story? Or maybe you call it a new beginning. Um, are we just going to see the church continue to decline? Uh, are we going to see the church's influence on society continue to kind of wane and lose ground and uh, maybe die a slow and painful death? Do you ever wonder about this? Do you ever wonder, uh, and, and again, I'm not here to give you a, a <laughs> my opinion on this. That really wouldn't hold much weight, um, but I do want to share with you a couple of scriptures, and I, I just, I'm going to go through it quickly. Maybe you can look at them later if it's something that uh, piques your interest. But I, I think we have reason, scripturally, 
to hope, not just for eternity, but for right now. Uh, for right now and for tomorrow and for our kids' uh, generation and for the church of tomorrow. I think there's reason to be hopeful. And so I just want to share um, a, few, a few scriptures with you. Uh, we read one earlier. It was Psalm 110, uh, verse 1, if, if you can put that back on the screen. And this was actually the most uh, quoted Old Testament verse in the New Testament. And it may seem a little obscure, but uh, imagine that. Jesus and the apostles quoted this verse more than any other verse in the New Testament. And something that's interesting about it is, first of all, uh, Jesus says he's going to make his enemies his footstool. You know, So, again, he wins. But it's while he's sitting at the right hand of God. And so you could possibly infer from that that it's, it's not just when he returns and comes back that he's going to suddenly make everything right. But even while he's at the right hand of God, sort of um, you know, o- overseeing all this and empowering his church through his spirit, that his enemies will be made his footstool. And then let me, let me share Psalm uh, 2 with you. It, it, it was actually referenced in that song, Lord of Hosts, that we sang earlier when it talked about the nations raging. Uh, this is the second most quoted Old Testament passage in the New Testament. And it talks about uh, why do the nations rage? Why do the kings of the earth conspire against the Lord's anointed one? And so you've got this struggle of, you know, the kings of the earth um, setting themselves against the Lord. And obviously, you know, we, we've seen that throughout history. But the, the arc of this passage is sort of this temporary struggle followed by victory. It says that the nations are Christ's inheritance. The ends of the earth are his possession. And so again, we see there's this expectation of victory. Psalm 72, 5 through 8 says, Before the sun and moon faint away. So before that happens, in history, God's rule, righteousness, and peace will expand. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, there'll be no end to the increase of his government. Isaiah 11, 9, the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I don't know if we've seen that yet. Uh, We go to the New Testament, and I just want to hit on a couple of Jesus's parables. He talked about what is the kingdom of God, and he would use these everyday life parables. And so he, he talked about the parable of the sower, where he goes out and sows the, the seed in a field, and some of it doesn't uh, grow because it's, it's not in good soil. But the seed that lands in good soil, it multiplies. Um, and then you have the, the parable of the mustard seed, tiny little seed planted in the ground, uh, grows into this huge tree where the birds of the air uh, perch in the tree. And I don't know about you guys, if you've ever watched a tree grow, um, it takes a little while. Um, we, we planted three fruit trees in our backyard last year. I'm not sure they've grown an inch. I hope they're going to make it. Um, but eventually, I believe one day, you know, they're going to be big trees and birds of the air are going to perch in them and they're going to give us some nice apples and nectarines and pears. I'm really worried about the pear tree, but hopefully it'll make it. And, and that's a picture of, of the kingdom of God, too. Uh, he talks about the, the yeast, the leaven in, in the bread. It doesn't take very much. You don't really see it working, but suddenly the bread rises and, and it feeds people, right? Uh, have you ever heard of Jesus' parable of the decaying apple? I, I can't remember the, the reference on that one right now, but um, he says, you know, there's this large apple tree with this beautiful red fruit, and it just looks so delicious, but then one day these bruises start to form on it, and then the wor- this worm begins to eat it, and then it falls to the ground in this pile of mush. Have you heard that parable? 
I, I don't, oh, maybe that was an Aesop's fable, or I don't know where. <laughs> it wasn't in Scripture, <laughs> because none of the parables go that way. None of the parables of God's kingdom end up with decay. They're all about growth. They're all about expansion. They're all about God's, God's peace and His rule expanding. And so I wonder, do we remember this? Do we feel that kind of hope for the present day, for what God's doing, even in the midst of wars and pandemics and political this and that? Do we feel hope in, in the Lord and in what He's doing? Um, I'm almost done. Matthew 16, 18, gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Hebrews 12, 28, the kingdom cannot be shaken. Uh, the Great Commission, you guys know this passage when uh, Jesus sends out his disciples to make disciples of all nations. There's actually three alls in this passage. He says, I have all authority. Jesus has all authority over sin, death, the devil. And then he said, I want you to go to all nations and so Jesus' intent is that his kingdom would expand to all nations. And he has all authority. So I would think that what he intends is going to happen. And then he says, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. And the literal translation there is all days. I'm going to be with you for all the days. So I have all authority. You're to go to all nations. I'll be with you myself, making sure that we see the completion of this task. So I realized that was kind of fast and furious. Um, could have preached a series on that, I guess, Bobby. But uh, <laughs> I just wanted to leave you with this, that I hope, I hope that causes your hope to rise, church. Um, I don't know what you came in feeling like this morning, or maybe you were already hopeful, or maybe you were a bit downcast or, or discouraged. Um, that's why I love the, the verse we read, Psalm 43, if, if you want to put that back up there. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So take hope, church. Don't shrink back. We, we've, we ain't seen nothing yet, all right? We, our best days are yet to come. I really believe this, not only in eternity, but in history. And we've got work to do, not, not just, uh, you know, those of us that are in Ukraine and Belgium and different places, but right here in Rio Dosa, in Albuquerque, wherever we live, work, and play, let's root ourselves in, in what uh, the gospel, the hope of the gospel, and let's carry that wherever we go. And so I encourage you guys with that this morning. I just want to thank you again for your partnership with our family and with our ministry. Um, it's, so, it's such a blessing and encouragement to us, and, and hopefully we've, we've been a blessing to you guys this morning. So let me just close in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are on your throne and you are good. And uh, just as we sang about my Jesus this morning, God, it's so, so good to be able to uh, remind ourselves of who you are, of how good you are, that you are on your throne despite the challenges and the struggles that we have in our world and in our own lives. And Father, I pray that your word would just minister to our hearts this morning and would cause our hope to rise. It would cause us to trust more deeply in you. Uh, God, that, that despite everything around us being shaken, you are giving us a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Help us put our trust there. Help us set our sights on you. Father, continue to bless Grace Harvest Church. God, bless uh, their worship, their community, 
uh, God, their, their mission and witness to the, to the uh, city and community around them and to the world. Um, Father, continue to strengthen them and, and bless all that they do uh, for your glory and for their good. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Father. pray that you were just moved like I was at times to know that, you know, sometimes you feel like maybe I haven't witnessed to somebody or led somebody to the Lord or I'm not discipling somebody right now, but just by being a part of, of God's church, uh, you are, you know, just by being here and your support to his church and giving into missions. You know, I, I just hope that was made clear to you that you are involved in reaching out to the nations for Jesus and just leading people to Christ and getting people discipled uh, into Christ. So definitely warmed my heart about what God's doing in the world. And what we're going to do is try to meet this need. And uh, that's in Belgium. So we did see the little car and uh, Pasha, you know, it's just full and driving his old, like Rand said, you know, in dangerous situation, risking his life. So we're passing around some uh, offering. If you want to make uh, a check out to Grace Harvest Church, um, we're going to do that. And we all also have uh, people in the church that really want to meet this need. And they're willing to uh, just match what Grace Harvest Church gives. And really try to meet this need. As you, as you know, the need is like right now. I mean, he has pictures of the van that he wants and can purchase right now. And so whatever the church can give, it's going to be matched. And we hope to meet this need uh, immediately. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be cool? Like, wow. And, and get an update from Pasha that, you know, see his van loaded up, taking supplies, you know, in. Uh, to the needed areas and so I don't know it's been on my heart a lot and I've talked to a few people that said what can we do just like Grant said you know there's it's a war torn zone and when you know people that are there and they've been your friends over the years and you've supported their ministry and you've had a part in it then you can have a part in it today by um, uh, a financial gift to them to help get this van working for them so We'll pass that around. We will also be available to some people that aren't here uh, through this next week to, to take in an offering and see what we bring in and see what we can match and, and get the sports quest as soon as possible and give. So would you uh, join me in prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you were so generous in Christ. You emptied heaven out by giving us your son, your only begotten son. And you poured out heaven's love uh, upon us in Christ. He came here and he lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. He perfectly pleased you. And then he offered himself up and became sin for us that he might make us the righteousness of God in Christ. We thank you for that 
we thank you for the gift of Christ and your heart is so generous no one will ever ever come even near close to outgiving you God and we thank you that you instill that in your people in their generous offering and giving uh, here at Grace Harvest Church and being able to support missions outreach to the world and we thank you for Rance and Stacy and their family and for Sports Quest and we just pray that you continue to bless their ministry and their outreach and that we continue to hear stories that magnify the name of Jesus, bring people uh, to Christ and that Christ is made much of and that his fame goes throughout the whole world and is magnified and exalted, uh, which is where he's at, exalted at your right hand, Father, and just make more people to see that, Lord, through your work here on this earth through the church. May the beauty of Christ be displayed through your church here on this earth, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And as that offering is collected and we continue to talk about it with folks, we're also going to take communion together. And there should be little communion things right like this. You guys don't have one. Yes. Uh, yes, we're we're gonna uh, on your check just put uh, Sports Quest, and so and write it to Grace Harvest Church. But we're also passing this around to give in this. So if you have your regular tithes and offerings, that could go in the box in the back. If anyone's given regularly. That can go back there, but this is specifically for uh, the financial need in Ukraine. the night that he was betrayed he took bread and he gave thanks to the father for it and he said this is my body take and eat of it and do this in remembrance of me let us take the bread together father thank you so much for the the body of Christ, the word of God was made flesh and dwelt and tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father. We thank you for the beauty of Christ, the word of God made flesh, a body that ached and suffered and went through all things like us, all human, 100% human, and yet not merely human, but 100% divine God in human form. We just praise you and we thank you for Christ, his glory, and the giving up of his body for us in our place upon the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. We just praise you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. In like manner, he took the cup and he said, 
This is the blood of the new covenant given for the remission of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. Father, thank you so much for the shed blood of your son, Jesus Christ, that's able to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and make us whole and holy before you, healed and restored. We thank you so much that you came to bear our bruises and, our, and you were crushed for our iniquities. We thank you for all that Christ has done for us. We just give you the praise. Help us to praise you as we sing in this closing song. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.